So we're reading from Luke 10 and uh, verses 25 to 37. Okay. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Hey, thanks so much. That's a uh... Oh, that's brilliant. Great. Well, well, that's the passage we're going to be reading tonight. So um, let's, uh, if you've got a Bible nearby, um, do make sure you keep it open and, uh, and we'll read it um, together. So basically, really, for the next 20 minutes, we'll just read the same passage again slowly and, and think about it. Think about what it means for us. How does it impact our lives? What does this mean for this new year that's approaching? So you may have heard that we've got a short series. It uh, began this morning uh, and now we continue today and then next week um, in, in the evening we have the third and they're called Jesus stories. These are three stories. Jesus told a lot of stories and these are three stories that um, are, well, they're stories with a sting in the tail, as somebody once said. They're stories with a bit of a surprise in them, stories that kind of you think you're comfortable and you know where it's all going. And then suddenly it turns around to bite you <laughs> and it challenges our thinking. There's something about a story, isn't there? When somebody tells a story, it kind of can somehow kind of enter into you and you're joining in. You're on the road, too. And then suddenly, suddenly it turns around with a surprise at least that's the Jesus stories that's what they do so we're going to be reading this again slowly it's a familiar passage to many of us it, for people who haven't read the bible it could be one of the few stories of Jesus's that they recognize and so it's great to be reading a passage that we're familiar with but we're praying too that well we'd understand what it means for us today here in Catrum or wherever it is that we're listening. 
we're going to uh, look at it in, in, in three parts. We're going to under three headings. So we're calling this story Broken, Broken. And uh, the first part, well, it's about a standard. And so we're going to be thinking about a standard. Then the second part is about a stranger. And then finally, the third part is about sacrifice. So standard, stranger, sacrifice. That's where we're going over these uh, next few moments. Standard, stranger, sacrifice. Well, it begins with a stranger, doesn't it? Um, so on one occasion, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 begins. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up. And what's his motive? Can you see there in verse 25? His motive is to test Jesus. And he is, well, it seems that his motive is almost to trip him up, to try to show some kind of flaw in where Jesus is coming from. So he's an expert in the law and he stands up to test Jesus. And he stands, you can imagine everyone's eyes being fixed on him. And, uh, and he says this, these big words, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So he's come to the right person. I mean, he's come to talk to Jesus. We've been thinking together, haven't we, over Christmas, how Jesus is the one who is God come to us. God of heaven, born in a manger, announced by angels, uh, the one who shows us who God is. We were reading in John chapter one. He's the word, the eternal one. He's the one through whom everything was made. So this teacher in this moment of time has come to the right person to ask these questions. It may be he doesn't realize just how um how Jesus is the optimum person to be asking this key question. And he, he believes in eternity. He believes in a forever. And, uh, and he says, what must I do to get to it? What must I do to experience forever, to experience eternity, to experience connection with the transcendent one? And Jesus, well, he begins his answer by talking about a standard, a standard. And he kind of draws a line and he says, look at it. Um, verse 26, Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? It's interesting to see how if you read through the four accounts of Jesus's life, how often when Jesus is asked a question, he replies with a question. A question is a, another, another tool like a story that kind of gets under your skin. And Jesus, he kind of pops it back to the expert in the law. And he says, well, you, you know, you, you're the expert in the law. How do you read it when you're reading the law? Um, what does the law tell us? And the expert in the law replies, and he replies beautifully in verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul 
and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It's a beautiful answer. He's saying, love God with all that you are and love your neighbor like you love yourself. And that is an amazing summary of what all of the Old Testament scriptures from um, a long time before Jesus was walking. Well, it's a good summary of all that they say. Love God and love your neighbor. And Jesus answers in verse 28. You've answered correctly. You can see that in verse 28. Do this and you will live. So Jesus just says, spot on. Well done. Great. That's it. That's it. That's the answer. Do that and you'll be fine for eternity. Do those things and you're safe. Do those things. Live up to that standard and you're in. And it's almost now as though the tone of the conversation is, you know, sometimes you can tell when somebody's finishing the conversation. But it feels a bit like that now with Jesus, isn't it? It's like, well done. Good job. I don't know why you asked me, really. And Jesus is now almost turning on his toe to talk to the next person, to invite the next question, to tell another story or to start another conversation. But this is where we find out that the expert in the law is now not satisfied. And in verse 29, well, it's an interesting turn of phrase, isn't it? I don't know if you noticed it in verse 29. That an expert in the law should want to justify himself. But they, they're the words that Luke has recorded. This is the motive of this man's heart. He wants to justify himself. You know, on the surface, I think he, he, he doesn't want to look silly that he's asked a simple question and, and now he's got the answer and that's it. But perhaps Luke has chosen these words for a deeper reason, because, well, you see, the answer that he's given is about how he, the teacher of the law, the expert in the law, can justify himself, make himself good enough before the judge. Make himself good enough. And so he asks Jesus another question. But what's interesting to see is that the expert in the law, armed with the law and armed with the knowledge of what the law means and told that all he needs to do is to live by the law and he's going to be fine. Well, the expert in the law isn't satisfied with that. That's not enough. Why? I wonder. You know, there's been a, a line drawn as Jesus has spoken. And on one side of this line is, is kind of holiness and, and goodness and purity and light and life and God and forever and eternity. It's all there. And on the other side of the line, there is alienation, distance, brokenness, being an outsider, being an enemy of God. It's all there. And as this description of what it means to be somebody who can justify themselves by living by the law, as this is explained by the expert in the law, well, he still feels, he even feels like an outsider, even this expert in the law, because he realises 
perhaps he realizes which side of the line he is. And so this expert in the law who knows the law, who understands the law, who thinks that he almost has lived up to the law, he still feels that this, well, it's not enough. And so he asks this next question. Perhaps now something's turned in his heart. Perhaps he's not now just trying to catch Jesus out. Perhaps now he's got this thirst awakened in him because as he's spoken, he's thought, well, half a minute, you know, if, if, if I do these things, and I live by them. If I achieve these things, and I'm on the, the inside. Well, maybe I, I don't quite make it or maybe I'm nowhere near. Perhaps even now he's realizing that. You know, you and me listening tonight, I wonder how you feel when you hear a line drawn like that. And, and there's those who are going to be on the inside and those who are going to be on the outside. I think that with the expert in the law, who is far better at following rules than I'd suggest than perhaps any of us, if he feels that alienation after thinking about that definition that he's been induced to give, well, we should too. We've been studying Romans together, haven't we? And we've been seeing how, well, those who do these things will live by them. That's what Romans says. It's really explaining that if we, if we, there's a line and if we live perfectly by the law, then we're going to be justified. We're going to be safe. We'll be with God for eternity. We connect with the transcendent. We're there. But of course, Romans has been explaining to us. It's been a great series that nobody can make it like that. Not even this expert in the law. And none of us on this call can make it to connect with God by being the right side of that line, because none of us are quite the right side of the line. And perhaps if, if we were honest, we'd all be saying, to be honest, I'm a long way off of that line. And so this expert in the law, he wants to keep the conversation going. Something's been awakened in him and he wants to keep that connection with Jesus. And so he kind of continues the conversation um, and he, he asks this in a, and he says, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replies, and this is the next part. We've been thinking about a standard. We've been seeing we don't make it the right side of that line. And so Jesus tells a story to this stranger about a stranger. <laughs> and we've read it. And it's that story that many of us know really well. It's a story about a person traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. If you've been on an Oak Hall expedition, you might have even made that walk. And um, perhaps in our breakout rooms later, some of you will share stories of, of walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And uh, well, this man, he is making that journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. For, for many of us, we don't know where those places are but it's um jerusalem is on top of a hill and uh, it leads down into the low area of jericho so this person he is traveling downhill and down towards jericho down the hill from jerusalem and as he's making this journey, well, we can see in verse 30 that he's attacked. He's attacked by robbers. 
and they take everything off him. They just leave him. They leave him. Even his clothes they take. They beat him up and uh, they leave him, well, half dead, it says at the end of verse 30. And now somebody else comes and uh, this priest is coming. Verse 31. It might be that the expert in the law, he looks very similar to the priest in the story. And a priest happens to be going down the same road. It says in verse 31, he sees the man. He passes by on the other side. Now a Levite, you see that in verse 32, he comes to the place. And when he sees him, he passes by on the other side. You know, that phrase passing by on the other side has kind of entered our own language. And uh, and a lot of people picture this, you know, um, this moment of seeing a crisis, seeing somebody in utter trouble, in desperation, and they just don't want to get infected by the brokenness and they step to the other side. They make distance between them and they try and escape and get away. Is there any hope for this guy? But now a stranger comes and he's not a stranger on the same level of, as the priest or the Levite, but he's far more distant, a foreigner, somebody who, when their name was said, um, some of the folk who would have been friends of the man now lying on the ground, they'd have spat on the ground. Perhaps even the guy himself who's lying on the ground might have spat on the ground when he heard of the Samaritans. <laughs> But this man, verse 33, this stranger, this foreigner, he's traveling and he comes to where the man was. We think we know the rhythm now. And he passed by on the other side. Of course he did. But no, it doesn't say that. Verse 33, when he saw him, he took pity on him. Verse 34, he went to him and bandaged his wounds up, pouring on oil and wine disinfecting those wounds he put the man on his own donkey brought him to an inn and he took care of him wow seems he stays the night because in verse 35 the next day he took out two silver coins each worth about a day's wages think of what you earn in a day package two of those up well he handed this over to the innkeeper and he said, look after him, look after him for me, will you? And he says, you see that in verse 35. And he's obviously got to go and finish his job. Perhaps he's heading to the market. Perhaps he's going to meet family. I don't know where he's going. It's the story that Jesus is telling. But he then says, but I'm going to come back this way. And when I come back, if the, if this two days wages, I'll have earned a bit more by then. If it, that hasn't covered it, I'll give you some more because you've got to look after this man. I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. What a story. What a beautiful stranger on this journey down the hill. <laughs> what an intervention. This, this broken man and this foreigner, this stranger, well, he intervenes and he's rescued this broken man. Wow. And this stranger, he makes... Well, he gives up, doesn't he? His time, he gives up his money, he gives up um, his purpose for that day. Um, 
and he makes sure that this person is rescued. What a story. It's beautiful. And then Jesus asks, who was the neighbor? And the man has to answer. Verse 37, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, that's right. You go and live like that. In a way, Jesus has taken that line and he's shoved it up even higher because it's not just about the technicalities of the law and the ancient rules and rituals, but it's about living a life like this. And if he felt distant already, well, now the now the uh, expert in the law is feeling perhaps even further away as he realizes he doesn't live up to the standard. He's even further from the standard than he'd ever thought. Of course, one of the applications that means like one of the things about how we want to live differently after reading this of this passage is, well, God is calling us to show love and kindness and grace to those who are suffering around us. And I'm sure that as we live into this week, God will be showing us ways by his spirit moving in our lives, how we can live and how we can love and serve those around us. And let's look out for those opportunities. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes and give us the power to live in that kind of way. But there's one more point in our story. We've we've touched on it already, and it's sacrifice. This stranger he seems very unusual doesn't he this foreigner we were thinking earlier about this standard weren't we this kind of perfection and holiness and how it contrasts with those who are the wrong side of the line and as this story is shared i think the expert in the law realizes all the more clearly how far south he is of that line as i am but the one person who did live a holy and beautiful and clean life, who always gave of himself, who, well, if you were to measure him up to the law, whose life was perfect, well, his life, well, that person is Jesus. God here among us, showing us what humanity really should look like. Jesus, the one born in a manger, living then the perfect life. And really showing me all the more clearly how I fall short, all the more clearly how I need rescue, all the more clearly how I can't make it by living up to that standard. Even if I tried from this point on, I'm not going to make it to lunchtime tomorrow, probably not, certainly not even to bedtime tonight. There's only one who's lived a perfect life and it wasn't the expert in the law. It's none of us in this conversation. It was only Jesus. The rest of us are the wrong side of the line, cut off, far away, with that sense of distance that causes us to stand next to the teacher of the law, the expert in the law, and say, yeah, how can we know eternal life? And who are left with that nagging feeling that living up to a standard, well, that's not quite enough because we just can't make it. Jesus's destiny as the one who lived a sinless life is to be, well, 
forever in that continued fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Our destiny as those who can't live up to that standard, well, our destiny is to be forever excluded. Jesus has been telling this story and it has been about a stranger and a foreigner, but actually it's got hints of Jesus in this story too. Jesus has written himself into the story. You see, he's very much like the Samaritan. Because Jesus came and in a few minutes time, we're going to be sharing some some wine and we're going to be sharing some bread. And Jesus came and he came and lived a perfect life. But then he died a death as though he was the worst criminal of them all. What was happening? Well, Jesus was dying for that expert in the law who asked this question because he loved him. Jesus was dying for you and he was dying for me. Those who don't live up to the standard. He was taking our destiny so that we wouldn't have to face that forever of being excluded from the presence of God. This morning we spoke of this. You know, the expert in the law thought, well, perhaps he could make it himself. Perhaps he could get there. But of course, Jesus is saying, look, you can't get there by yourself. You need one to come for you, one to come down. And that's why we've been celebrating Christmas, because Jesus is the one who comes to us, the one who sacrifices not just some oil and wine and time, but sacrifices his life so that we could be rescued. It's an amazing passage. An amazing story, isn't it? Especially when we begin to realise that it's hinting at and pointing us towards Jesus. Well, how do we live different this week? Well, I think those of us who are following Jesus, well, I think that the Holy Spirit, he wants to awaken in us more and more that sense of looking out and longing to love those on the outside, serve those who others would say were, were undeserving, reach out and, and show the kind of love we've heard in this story. But those of us who are walking with Jesus, we need to be remembering that the ultimate example of this is Jesus himself, who has shown this kind of love and more to even us. And that's why it is that we can be living in this relationship with God. It's because Jesus came and was sacrificed for us. And others of us, well, we're listening in, perhaps hearing over a friend's shoulder tonight. And we're thinking, well, I'm an outsider. I can't come close to God. Well, tonight, you know, this message is for you too. And this message is to, this story is to awaken in us a longing that we would experience rescue, that we would experience the embrace of the one who comes to save. And this story ultimately is to point us towards Jesus, the one who died on a cross. Perhaps you want to ask the friend you're listening with or talk to somebody um, who you know who's walking with Jesus. 
And they would tell you about how, well, they said to God that they're sorry for the wrong things they've done, that they recognize that God is loving and kind, that Jesus has died instead of them, that they experienced the embrace of the Father when they trusted that Jesus had died to bring them rescue, taking their place so that they could be forgiven. Jesus has done that for you. The ultimate thing that you could do this Christmas would be to put your life into the hands of the Savior who came from heaven to rescue you by dying for you on a cross.